This is David's Book Talk, bringing authors and book lovers together in a unique way since 2009. Visit us at davidsbooktalk.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash davidsbooktalk. But first, pull up a chair, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Here's your host, David English. Hello and welcome to David's Book Talk. And today we have a very special guest. She's never been on the show before. She's a rookie and her new book is called Exiles. It's got a Ferris wheel on the cover. You gotta love a book with a Ferris wheel on the cover. <laughs> I mean, there's something about it. There's something about a Ferris wheel that's scary and yet fascinating at the same time, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. So my new book Exiles is set in. Um, it's an Australian mystery, which is the kind of books that I write. Um, and um, this one is set in um, South Australia, in um, beautiful sort of lush wine country. Um, and it starts with the it opens with the uh, mysterious disappearance of a mother at a busy food and wine festival. Um, hence the Ferris wheel. So where does the idea for this book? Where did it come from? I mean, you just suddenly are you sitting around the house and you're like. No, I, I'm going to write about that next. I mean, where does it come from? It just enters your head, or or how does it? How does the idea start? Yeah, so for me, um, writing is a very layered process, um, and I think that's one thing I, I try and dispel. Um, you know, when I'm talking to aspiring writers, um, this idea that kind of a you'll get this lightning strike of an idea. Um, maybe some people do, but for me, it's never been like that. For me, it's always um, it, you're kind of thinking of a, a very initial, early idea, and usually that's just a question of something has happened. It looks like this, but could it be something else? And it, it's just as, as kind of simple as that, really. And you're trying to find something that. Um, has you know enough kind of avenues that will allow you to build in red herrings and um, twists and turns, and a lot of that is just trial and error for me. Um, I, I sort of you know, go through the process of thinking, you know, which is better? Is it this or this? Okay, which is better? Is it this or that? You know, and I'm sort of trying on things for size. I do a lot of planning, um, and so it takes a lot of time to, to build up an idea. I think don't for aspiring authors, I always tell them, don't worry if your idea isn't great to start with. You know, it does can take some time to develop sometimes. Right. I just want, as a reader, we always wonder where the ideas come from, and you know, and it's, it's fascinating to hear what the author has to say about that. And you wrote a book called The Dry, which was absolutely astounding. I mean, when I read that book, I thought, wow, I wish every writer could write like this all the time. It's one of those books that you just eat up. You cannot wait to get back to reading it. And that that joy that you sense from reading the, the dry is is amazing. I mean, you literally once you start that book, you cannot stop reading it. It's very difficult. Oh, thanks, David. I appreciate that. I mean, I think you know when I set out to write um, the dry, I mean, I um, I, I just really wanted to set out to write a book that I think I would personally enjoy, and I you know, enjoy books with. Um, you know, an element of mystery and suspense and some twists and turns. And mainly, sort of, the main thing to me is also characters that you can get behind and you feel you want to follow them through 300 pages. Um, and I also want to set something, you know, in Australia because that's where I live and I think it's just absolutely, you know, an author's gift, you know, with all the, the, the huge diversity of landscape we have and the, how easy it is to get into to danger and how brutal the landscape can be. Um, that seemed like a real, you know, great opportunity. So um, that was kind of where I started when I, when I first started out writing Australian mysteries. That was the, the point of view I came from. Right, exactly. 
But there's just something about that book, The Dry, that it, it, it's just so compelling. And so, but it isn't only that, it's so well written. I mean, you read books today and you start them and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. And you're not sure, but that one, you never have a doubt about it at all. It's just, it's just from the very beginning, it, it just flows so beautifully. And uh, I, I wish I could find more books like that to read. I really do because it isn't easy. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I had the benefit of, um, before I wrote The Dry, I was, I'd been working for 13 years full-time as a print journalist. So I had a really good background in, you know, telling you know, telling stories, you know, in print form, getting words on a page. Um, but also one of the things I remember them teaching us when I was, a, you know, a trainee journalist starting out was that you um, you should assume that people won't finish your article. They will get distracted and they'll get bored and they'll move on. So you have to try and get them early and then keep them engaged as long as possible. And that was something that um, I very much brought to the fiction when I started writing um, The Dry and all the subsequent books. Um, that idea that, you know, you, you want to grab people early and then keep them as long as possible um, so they just want to turn you know one more page right exactly yeah and it's not as easy as it, as you think it's going to be I mean when you start writing and you start and I'm sure you as the writer when you go back and read your stuff sometimes you're like oh that doesn't sound that doesn't sound and you're always so critical of your own work I mean it's easy to be it's easy to be critical too critical of your work but you, you have a way about you, and, and this book, The Exiles, is, is fascinating, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating character study, and that's what, that's what really makes it worth reading. It's just the characters, you wonder where they all fit in with each other, and, you know, and how they're going to fit in by the end of the book, what's going to happen to these characters. So it's kind of a, they've kind of got you from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, for me, the characters um, are always the main part of any book, you know, beyond really, I mean, the mystery is, I guess, what kind of draws people into the first few pages, but for me, that's always the starting point, rather than what's actually at the heart of the novel, and um, as in Exiles and all the books, that, for me, the heart of the novel is revolved around the characters, in particular in this one, um, I went to Exiles knowing it was going to be the third and final mystery for Aaron Fork, who is the detective who... Why, why, would it, why is it the final one? Yeah, so, the reason for that, really, I... I I've, I've written five books, and two of them were standalone, so it's been, I've had a few years to sort of think about what I was going to do with his character. Um, he appeared in The Dry and Force of Nature, and I knew I wanted to return to him. Um, but I think, you know, in fiction, having, people have asked, is it because you're, you're, you're bored with writing about him, you want to move on, and it's none of those things. I love writing about him, and he's given me so much as a character, but I think in fiction it's so important to um, end strong, you know, that's as important as starting strong. And endings are so important, and that, for me, is, is true for a character as much as an individual story. And you know, well, did you I, I start sort of, out? Did you when you wrote the dry? Did you start out thinking you were going to make a series out of Aaron Folk? You know, when I wrote the dry, I didn't even think that book was even going to see the light of day. Honestly, I had that. You know, as a, I think most aspiring authors would kind of know the feeling of just writing this manuscript, thinking I'm going to be the only one who ever reads it. So I never had any real thoughts. Well, didn't you, um, didn't you know it was good? You must have known there was something good there. Um, I knew I was happy with it. So I knew it was, it was sort of becoming the kind of book that I'd wanted to write when I first started working on it. Um, but it's really hard, I think, to assess your own work sometimes. Um, and you can kind of do it from a logical point of view. But a lot of the things... You know, it's quite hard to take that step back, and 
I think, um, you know, because the magic doesn't necessarily work on, on you as the author. So the twists and turns don't work, the red herrings don't work, because you know, you can see them coming in. Sometimes it's a big you know, red flag saying clue, clue, clue. And you have to kind of just trust on a logical level that the reader will not see it that way. But it does require a bit of a leap of faith. So, um, so sorry, to, to answer your initial question, I think I was... I was pretty happy with it from my own personal point of view, but I think a lot of people write books that they're happy with that just never get, you know, picked up by an agent or publishers or get in front of the people that need to get in front of to, um, you know, end up in a bookshop shop eventually. Well, did you win awards for The Dry? I did, yeah. I mean, for me, that was, you know, everybody has a different journey to publication, but that was the one um, for me. So I entered um, the dry and unpublished manuscript competition, um, really with the hopes of getting some judges' feedback about whether it was worth, you know, just, you know persevering with. Um, and I ended up winning that competition, and from there, a lot of doors opened. You know, agents and publishers started getting in touch and asking if they could read it. Wow. That's just really... And to win an award for your first book, that's it's amazing. I mean... It's just something, you know, you think when you're starting out, you may be a little, you know, maybe you need to work out the kinks, but that book is so well written, I mean, and, and it's amazing, and you can't, you, really, you almost can't believe that it's your first book because it's so well written. You think, well, you know, this is, this is, this, this is written like a pro, like somebody who's, who knows what, like, who really, really has been writing for a while and knows what they're doing. But maybe you just know know what you were doing from the very beginning. I mean, maybe you're that good. I think having the um, the background in journalism really helped. Um, knowing kind of how to structure a story and 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 having those really um, definitely those technical writing skills. Like I I had the confidence that I knew how to get words on a page, um, and I I had a lot of experience, I guess, in. Um, you know, when you when you journalist, you go out to stories that maybe you you personally aren't that that interested in, or not all your readers will be interested in, and it's your job to kind of find that angle and find that sort of human element that will make people interested. And so I think that helped a lot when it came to um, you know the practicalities of actually tackling that first novel. Um, but thank you so much. I mean, I really I love the dry and the reception to it. It was just. You know, amazing. Like, I mean, I was so delighted with the way you know, booksellers and readers. Well, what I'm curious, when you first handed it in, what did they say? They must have been over the moon about it. Well, I mean, what was basically, because um, I won that um, unpublished manuscript competition, a lot of publishers asked to see it. So it was being sort of sent off. Um, oh, okay. I had an agent, and it, I got an agent to do that competition, and then it got sent off. And so it, it was going to go. So they're all seeing it, and then. Um, a lot of them were interested, um, so went to publish it like an auction, and they all had to kind of put in their best offers and you know their plans for what they would do with it. Um, and I think that was probably the first moment when I kind of realised that you know it was it, it, it was you know a, a book that I don't know people were excited about. Like it wasn't just something that I was excited about in my you know my desk on my own. It was it was kind of getting excitement from professional corners as well. Right, exactly. I I mean. I and now that you have the X-Files, you have Force of Nature was the second one, right? Yeah, that's right. And that also features Aaron Falk, who is the uh, detective in both yeah, X-Files and Do you Drive. feel that one's better than another of the three? Or do you feel they're all equally powerful? I think, you know, they're all sort of a, a good kind of trilogy companion piece. I mean, um, they all kind of bring different things to the table. And um, and the standalones as well. I did two standalones in between as well. The Lost Man and Survivors, which, um, you yeah, really... Oh, that's right. I forgot about I did read that one, and I did like that one. That was very different. Yeah, I mean, 
and I think, you know, with each book, it's, I, I sort of try and reinvent things a little bit each time. Like, I, I mean, it would have been probably the easy road after the dry was so successful would have been to write a book exactly like the dry again. Um, but, you know, I mean, I want to keep writing for my whole life, ideally, and I, I feel like pigeonholing myself so early in my career was, you know, only going to kind of lead me to a dead end eventually. There's only so many times you can write the same story. So I wanted to kind of rip that band-aid off really early and, you know, make it clear that although the books, I think, are very similar in sort of tone of feel, you know, they, they kind of, um, you know, the writing style is similar and they, they sort of, you know, revolve around, again, like around characters and this sort of mystery element. So I think they're familiar to readers who are familiar with my work, but each one is, has a different setting, um, the standalones have different characters, and, you know, and each time I try and, you know, make it a little bit different from the one that came before. So when the drive became, the drive was very successful, Did it, it sold pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah, it sold, it sold, um, I'm not sure exactly what numbers are, but I mean, uh, like a couple of million, I think, now. Are you serious? A couple of million? That's yeah. astounding. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean... It's, that's something to be really proud of. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, which means so far beyond... And you know yeah, why it sold so well? Because it's that good. It is that good. And I'm sure the word of mouth got around really quickly about it, too, because once you read it, you want to share it with other people. And you immediately think, oh, I know who would love this book. And that's half the fun of reading, is knowing who you can lend it to, who you can give it to, and say, here, read this book, you'll love it. And the feeling you get when they love it also just doubles just doubles the pleasure that you get from the book. So you get you get double you get double what you normally would get from reading a book. And actually, the word of mouth um, helps so much. Like so many people kind of discovered it through friends and family, especially the debut novelist. You know that is one of the biggest ways that you know um, word gets around is people sharing that book. So I'm so grateful to all the readers who have ever kind of you know shared their copy with a family member or. Um, or a friend, or... Um, well, does, and it doesn't sound like it gave you a big head, either. You you seem you're, like you're really grounded. Like you, I mean, some writers would say, well, that was a great book, and now I'm going to be the greatest author ever. You know? Because <laughs> I, know, I know Gillian Flynn says her next book is the best book ever. And, oh, right. oh. <laughs> and it's like, well, why don't you bring it out so we can read it? We've been waiting for 10 years for you to get a book out, you know? And it's like, we like Gone Girl, but let, come on, let's get on with it here, you know? Oh, I would, I would love to see. I didn't, I didn't know she had another one the way. I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely be lining up to get that one myself. Um, okay, but I'm wondering where it is. If it's so great, why is it taking so long? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's funny, like, the writing process. It's like, I mean, you know, the, the drive got adapted into um, a film, which I don't, I don't know if you saw, but it got meant to um, a film with Eric Banner, um, yes. made in Australia, um, which I loved. I thought it was such a great adaptation. And, um, you know, it, the reason that Australia, like, really embraced it, it did really well over there. Um, and then the the team behind that, Robert Connolly, he directed and wrote the screenplay, and Eric Banner is starting it back again, and they've just finished making the second one, Force of Nature. Um, oh, they are? Really I wasn't aware yeah. of that. Yeah, so they finished filming it. They filmed it last year. Um, but is that, is that how you pictured Aaron Falk looking like, Eric Banner? You know, well, in the in the actual sort of text of the dry, he's not described by that at all. He's described as, um, you know, he has like sort of very blonde hair and um, he's pale. And part of the reason for that physical characteristic was because I wanted him, he's going to this town that's very drought-stricken, there's some bleach, and I wanted him to be a real fish out of water so he doesn't physically respond well to, you know, the, the sun and the heat. Um, 
so when they proposed Eric Banner to play him, um, he was Eric was not someone who crossed my mind. But as soon as they said it, I just thought, yes, so perfect. I mean, he is so beloved in Australia, and he and I above the physical description is is so much less important having someone who captures that kind of heart and soul. Where did they and, Where did they film it? The the drive was filmed in Victoria, in northwest Victoria, um, in a, a in a few different towns, but largely a place called Beulah. And then um, Force of Nature was also filmed in Victoria in um, the Dandenong Ranges, which is like a big kind of bushland area. Um, both sort of very. So both in, in Australia, though. Yeah, okay. yeah, both yeah, completely filmed in Australia. Yeah, with Australian actors um, exclusively, I think actually. Really, that's interesting. I I I think I started to watch it, but your book is so powerful that I felt like I wasn't getting the this I wasn't getting the same thrill I was getting reading the book. And, I, and of course, I remember I don't remember if I remembered the ending or not. It's been a while since I read the drive, but but I know that your book. I mean, there's nothing that's going to compare with your book to me. But that's just my opinion. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, and you know, if you if you started watching, you saw the best bit, which was me and my husband being in the film as extras in the funeral, uh, playing really? house people. So you, you you basically saw the best thirty seconds anyway. Um, if you sort of start, so I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and look. How about that? That's interesting. Yeah, so that was pretty fun. So what did, you, uh, we, what we did your family say when you when you showed them the book, The Dry, and how did they react to it? Ah, uh, well. They saw it, I, I probably shared it with them after I won the unpublished manuscript prize. So I didn't show it to them very early, mainly because I, you know, I, I was just working on this thing on my own and I didn't really think it would go anywhere and I was probably a little bit embarrassed so I'm writing a book and, you know, because I didn't think it would get published. And um, So my husband knew and I sort of maybe mentioned it in passing, but I don't think anybody really knew how far Did your uh, husband how far like was it. Yeah, he he did. He like and he knew he knew I got how far I got, and he knew I was entering the competition. Um, but when uh, the first lot of people heard about it was, was when I won the competition, and I was in the newspaper um, with a big photo of myself. You know, just big sort of headlines. So saying, how much you know, how much money did you get? I got fifteen thousand dollars. Did you really? Yeah. No, that's terrific. Yeah, it was great, and I mean, it was so it was so exciting. Honestly, it's the best fifteen thousand dollars I've ever earned, and it was um, it opened so many doors for me. Um, you know, I had I'd like well, just think, think just think of the millions of people that got so much delight out of reading the book. I mean, you it's all over the world. That's got to be a great feeling to know that so many people have enjoyed your book. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's the best thing, really, because, you know, if I wanted to write for myself, I'd just keep a journal, you know. I mean, the whole point of, of writing is that you want to tell, you know, stories to share with people. And as a reader, that's, you know, I get so much out of other authors' books. Um, I think that was one of the main things that kind of attracted me to trying to write a novel. I wanted to kind of capture that experience for, you know, for, for other readers, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I mean, seeing it, seeing it sort of so widely read and, you know, so quite often I sort of see people sometimes reading them on the train or in the park or the beach or something. And it's, it's, it's always exciting. It's always a complete thrill. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it is that great of a book. And I don't say that lightly. I, if, if I didn't like it, you wouldn't even hear me saying anything about it, probably, because they wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. But you've got, you've got something great there. It isn't just good, it's great. And I just remember the joy I got reading it. And it's like, like I said, it's one of those books you can't wait to share. It's a perfect book club book. 
Oh, thank you. You know, a lot of book clubs have, have read it actually, and um, you know, I think it's and that's that's so exciting as well. Kind of you know, knowing people kind of having these conversations and meeting up with their friends, their family, and it actually just um recently got the drive got added to um. Uh, in Queensland, one of the states in Australia, it added, added to the high school reading list there. Um, so it's going to be studied in school by, you know, um, high school kids, um, which is, you know, really, I mean, really, that is such, that is actually very exciting because I think, you know, when I think back to kind of books that I read um, at school, a lot of them didn't really feel like something that I related to very closely and they weren't, they were maybe sort of um, worthy reads, but they weren't necessarily enjoyable reads. And I think if, you know, if it's a book that sort of maybe gets kids kind of, I don't know, into reading and something that reading can hopefully be fun and interesting, and um, that is, you know, really something so special. It's interesting, you know, you, you, one wonders, you know, I've always wondered if I could write a book and how, what it would take to write it. <laughs> but it takes a lot out of a person. I mean, you, when you're sitting there and you have to think, say you have 350 pages, writing on 350 pages that make sense, that are, that are a good story, that people understand, that people like, that's not easy to do. And I've read books, I've had friends give me a book and they'll say, read this, what do you think? And I can't even get into it. I don't even understand what it's half of it's saying. And to, to, for, to, have, to be able to pick up your book and get into it and enjoy it as much as I did is just... Is such a thrill. I mean, it, it, to me, and I'm sure it's a thrill to, to many other readers too. Now, Exiles. I haven't read all of Exiles yet, but I, I mean, in, embroiled in it right now, and I'm, I'm fascinated by that now too. This one involves a kidnapping. Kim, Kim is the one that's kidnapped. Now, the question is, where is this woman? Yeah, well, actually, she's so she's, she's she's missing. She's not. She's, they're not really sure what's happened to her. She's, oh, that's um, right. It was. It's yeah. not. A, it's not. It's not. That's right. It wasn't a kid. I'm, yeah. I'm getting confused with something else. I guess right. I, about a kid. No, I know. There's a lot. lot no, no, right. a lot, lot of books going on. Um, yeah. So she. So the book opens with the um, uh, her, her her baby daughter being. Um, she could have been kidnapped. We don't know yet. But <laughs> at least well, I don't know yet. Yes, it's all. It's all. It's all open. Um, so the book opens with um, with Kim's um, baby daughter being found safe and well, um, completely fine, unharmed in in her pram, but alone at this busy food and wine festival. And and Kim, who used to live in the town but has since moved away, um, is has just sort of vanished. But you have and, you um, have one of the most fascinating characters here. Her name is is it Zara. The daughter. Oh, Zara, the daughter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She. She's good. I've already decided she's going to be my favorite character because she's interesting. <laughs> she's unpredictable. She's. She's very. I mean, she's feeling a lot of guilt, and yet at the same time, she's strong-willed too. You know, she. She. She can't really get on with her life. So she's. She's an interesting. Per she's a damaged person. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things when I'm sort of designing what characters um, will, will help tell the story best, I find teenagers really interesting because they can add a lot to the story because they, they get sort of, they sort of, they're not quite involved in the adult conversations, but they also, you know, are old enough to see and hear things and make judgments and, you know, kind of put things together um, in, a, in a way some of the adult stories as well. So they, they really bring a fresh, you know, a fresh kind of viewpoint to proceedings um, and I think that's one of the things that you always trying to when you're writing different characters they're all seeing the same situation in a different way um, and that's not the same way as the, the main character and it's certainly not the same way as the author they've all got that they're all bringing their own experiences to the situation that's very much like the case with, with Sarah as a teenage girl and the daughter of the missing woman now I should mention Exiles is out just today as we're recording this the book is out today from HarperCollins so when you hear
hear this, you will definitely be able to get a copy uh, of the book. So that'll be it. When, how, how much into the book until we figure out why it's called Exiles? Um, Two-thirds. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm, that's, I was wondering, you know, you know, I always wonder why a book's called a, a certain title. You know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, you know, like John John uh, Sanford's book, his prey books don't always make sense. You know, sometimes he'll, the prey, he, whatever he does, he he's had ones called like winter prey, and 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 they don't always make sense with the story. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, titles are hard. I, I, I noticed as you, you, you talk about, I, I guess, you know, um, commercially you can totally see the sense in, in having the kind of, the, um, you, you know, the, uh, that, that familiarity with the titles. Um, yeah, titles are always quite hard. I mean, sometimes um, titles come very, you know, sort of early on in the writing process. And it, um, I think for me, they're not really. Like, I tend, to, I tend to kind of write the whole book and then sort of sit back and think about it and think about what the kind of key themes are and, um, you know, what sort of, um, the, I guess the overriding kind of arches and, and things like that. So, um, But here's the question. Do you know from page one what has happened to Kim? I do, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I spend a long time planning the books before I write them, so I would spend several months um, planning and, and drawing up a really detailed kind of chapter-by-chapter guide. Um, and even at the very start, though, when I'm thinking about that initial idea, um, sometimes I'm not usually thinking about the opening, like I'm not thinking about that kind of prologue opening. I'm thinking about the ends, what, what, has, what has really happened and what has kind of brought you know, a number of characters to this particular point. Is it something, you know, sort of long, um, long bubbling away, or is it spontaneous, or is it accidental? What has kind of happened to bring someone to this sort of extreme moment? And that's actually what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about the idea of a book. So I know, um, I know the ending before I often know where I'm going to start it. See, that's interesting because I, I would guess he would have to know the ending because you have you have to know where to set, where to take the story in the middle and the you know the other parts of the book. Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, I do. There's, there's some really really successful authors though who who don't, as far as I know. Like they they sort of start from page one and they they write the book and they kind of see where it takes them and they they work out the ending as they go. Um, and some of them sell so many copies that you know you can't really you argue could, you that way do that? it. I no, I definitely couldn't do that. Um, I mean, for me, I, I I build the book really from the the end outwards. I mean, I have this ending in mind. I'm thinking about you know what's happened and who are the characters involved and where is it set and what's the the community like that you know this, this is taking place in. And I'm sort of building the world outwards. Um, and I just for me, I just I find that allows me to kind of. Um, you know, funnel all the ideas and everything is kind of funneling towards this ending. So um, all the red and all the clues, ideally at the end when you look back, they all make sense and you can see how they're all channeling towards this finish point. So as we're reading the book, we should be getting clues as to what's happened. There are definitely clues. But, you know, it's funny, when I'm writing a book, sometimes I think, oh, my gosh, this is, this is such an obvious clue. This is like a, this is like a, a sort of a klaxon, you know, red, red light flashing clue, clue um, moment. And I think, you know, is, it, is every single person going to work it out at this point? Um, and, but you have to kind of take a step back as the author and think, you know, the information is there, but logically people, they don't, when they see ABC, they, they don't 
they think D, you know, they don't think Z. Um, and as long as as long as it makes sense, you know, within a story, and as long as it absolutely makes sense when you go back and visit it, most people will come, to, will see things and make the logical mental jump. Um, but it's about, you know, kind of distracting them a little bit and, and just diverting their attention to a slightly different way. Well, the question is, if you figure a book out, say, like in the first 50 pages, is that is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? <laughs> you know, and I know people yeah. who say they can do that, that they can figure it out very early into the story. And maybe that does spoil it a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, does that ruin the book? I guess it depends on who the person is and what they're... It, yeah, I, I, I mean, it kind of depends, doesn't it? I think it depends what you're hoping to get out of it. I mean, if it's still a good story and you're enjoying reading it and you think you know what happens, does that, you know, maybe that doesn't attract from it at all. Um, I think sometimes in, in a, you know, a lot, a lot of mystery books, probably mine included, I mean, there's a set cast of characters. You know that one of them is, or more, one or more of them is going to be involved ultimately. So if you roll a dice and pick a character, you know, you've got maybe what a one in, one in eight chance of, of picking the right person or, you know, it's so, there's not, you know, it's not impossible to kind of, you know, make your guess early and, and, and be right. Um, I think, you know, for, for me, um, enough, I find this from reader feedback, I find enough people don't guess that it's, it's, you know, I feel like the, the, the mystery is, it, you know, unraveled in a way I, I hoped it would. And, um, also, you know, I feel satisfied that when people look back, the clues are there. So the clues are there to be, to be worked out. Um, and there's no tricks or anything involved. It's all laid out there. It's just a question of how you kind of look at things, I guess. So Aaron Falk is what? Is in his 30s, 40s, would you say? Yeah, he's in his um, he's in his 40s, um, mid to late 40s in, in Exiles. Um, so he's at a point where I think a lot of us kind of, especially after the last few years of pandemic, are kind of reevaluating their life and you know, trying to sort of work out exactly if he's in the right place and doing what he wants to be doing. And he's kind of lonely. And we really get the impression that he's a little lonely. And he, it's mentioned in the book. And, I mean, we kind of feel that loneliness. We kind of feel the fact that he's... He would like to have, he's, he's surrounded by people who have other people in their lives. So he's kind of feeling lonely, you know, without, without that significant other person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you, you've, you've um, absolutely identified it there. The fact that he's, he's in this sort of small community for the christening um, of um, the, the Reikos, who is good friends that he met in the first time of the dryers, their, their son. It's been christened. He's been advised along as godfather. And he's surrounded by these people, particularly Rita and um, Greg Reiko, his, his close friends, who have this very functional, warm relationship. And they're very sort of gentle with him and, um, and with each other. And I I think, um, you know, his proximity to that it sort of makes him, you know, evaluate his own lifestyle a little bit, as, you know, I think a lot of us do when we're, you know, around people with, um, who, you know, who have a slightly different um, lifestyle to us. It's sort of natural to maybe compare and contrast a little bit. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, and this, and the carnival atmosphere helps out too. It, it adds a, like a mysterious element to the book. It's... You know, it's got this, it's always, carnivals usually happen at night, you know, when there's, and the lights are, and the, the rides are lit up, and it's kind of like, it's, what was that movie, that Alfred Hitchcock movie, was it Strangers on the Train, where, no, it was, what was the one where they, they meet at, at the back of the carnival, and they're plotting, plotting to kill each other's wives? I can't remember. Is, 
Is that strangers <laughs> on a train? Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah, yeah. But um, I still, I can still picture that scene. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock was so good at at taking a scene and making it eerie. You know, making making it making it more intense than it you normally would be. And yeah, and I think you know the the setting. Um, it's set it's in sort of wine country in South Australia, and that region is, is really well known for its kind of yeah, it's sort of food and wine. I mean, that's a huge sort of industry, and um, so so you know people who are familiar with that region would, would absolutely know. So do you, do you, actually, do you have you did you go to a carnival to do research for the book so you could get the 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 atmosphere of what a carnival's like and what it's like um, around those that. Yeah, I, yeah. So absolutely, I've been to these kind of food and wine festivals. And for the um, for um, the research for this book as well, I, I did. I made a specific trip to South, South Australia and went around a lot of the, the vineyards and um, spoke to a lot of like the the, um, uh, the wine producers and um, people who've kind of spent, yeah spent their lives there and, and work you know closely in this industry. So um, yeah, so I have to say it wasn't um, it wasn't a particularly arduous research trip. This one, it was one of the more fun ones I've had. Um, it was just a yeah, beautiful part of Australia. And, um, yeah, a really sort of interesting kind of lifestyle to, to take on board. Well, that's, that's cool. So, because I always wonder that when I'm reading a book, I said, I wonder if the author, like, did a lot of research, actually went to the place and looked around. Because sometimes you read a book and it doesn't really describe the place. You don't feel like you're in the place. Yeah. And it's so it's so important for the story that you feel like you're there. If it's cold, you want to feel cold. If it, and you want to feel that atmosphere because that adds to the book. That adds to the mystery element of the book. If, at least for me, anyway, I want to feel like. Oh yeah. Like, Completely, I, you know. It, I, I agree, and I mean, I think going, going, and getting a kind of you can do quite a lot of research from your desk. You know, you can talk to people, look at photos, but getting kind of boots on the ground, and um, you know, you always learn things you didn't know, things you didn't even know that you, you know you weren't aware of um, from talking to people, and it it always adds something and gives it uh, hopefully that kind of layer of authenticity. Are there really are there really that many uh, poisonous animals in Australia? They always talk about how many. How careful you have to be in Australia because there's a lot of poisonous animals. Are there really that many? I think there are. I think we have something like I'm, I'm guessing. I feel we have something like eight of the world's ten most venomous snakes and things like that. But um, I have to say that I mean I've I, you know I've lived there for um, a lot of years. I mean most recently I you know um, you know and. I've never seen I've never seen a poisonous animal in a while. Like I've never seen a snake, you know, um, cross my path or um, you know the house spiders, anything like that. They 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 completely keep themselves. So we do have them for sure, but um, you know they never they won't bother you or anything. So you're 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 safe to come visit. So it's it's uh, the end of January here. What's the weather like in Australia right now, even as we speak? Yeah, it's pretty hot. So it's the you know southern hemisphere is the summer for us over there. Um, so yeah, it was definitely sort of shorts and t-shirt weather when I left um, left Australia. And um, it's. Um, Do you miss it? Yeah, I, I think you know it's. Um, I mean, Australia is it's such a it's such a kind of. Like I'm actually over here for in the states for a little while, so I'm, I'm going back soon. And my husband and kids are still over in Australia, so I definitely miss them. But um, it's um, you know it's great to be able to kind of come out to the states and and you know be here when the when exiles comes out. I mean, it's been a few years since obviously a lot of us are able to travel, and um, so it's really exciting to be able to kind of come out and meet booksellers and readers again, like like you used to be able to. So, which was the hardest book to write, the dry? Force of Nature or this one, Exiles? I think, um, I think the, the, 
probably the dry. Um, you know, they all kind of have their own challenges. Um, I think any aspiring novelist will tell you that trying to write their debut, though, is, is hard because you don't really know your own style. You don't know the techniques. To what work. was it like? I, I don't know that you did any bookstore signings, but I, I'm wondering what it was like when you had to read from your book. Did that make you nervous? Um, it's not my favorite thing, although if I, if I ever have to read from the book, I tend to um, uh, have a couple of um, well-selected passages that don't have any, uh, you know, any sort of tongue twisters or anything in them. Uh, but it is, um, you know, it, it's not so much me reading from the book, but the thing actually that really made me kind of the, the closest I could come to kind of appreciating it afresh as though I was kind of a reader coming to it for the first time was when I heard the audiobook version because that is such a different medium and the, the narrator, Stephen Shanahan... Well, what, is that like, job, what is that like to listen to your book on audio, a book that you've written, to listen to that? What does that feel like? Yeah, it's really, it's great actually. And it really, um, it's the closest I could probably come to... Um, kind of it being a new experience because um you know when i when i see the words on a page i can i can remember writing them and i can remember the writing process and the drafts and all that, that, those kind of things but when i hear it narrated um on the audiobook it's um it's just like kind of hearing it for the first time almost so yeah i love the audiobook so we're lucky to have um Stephen shanahan who's a great narrator he's narrated all five of the books done an amazing job every time and the readers or the listeners i guess really you know really responded well See, if you can get past the, if you can get past the idea that you know somebody might not like your book there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like your book i mean you can't get around that i mean there's always there always there's always the person that says oh i didn't like that book i mean it's it, it happens <laughs> it's got to happen with every book that's written but the, if you don't care i mean if you read if you get up in, in front of an audience say of a hundred people and you read your book and you're nervous because you know you've written these words and they, they they never sound the same to you as they do to other people i mean because you're more critical of yourself is is that true or is it are you able to get past that yeah i mean i think you know authors are absolutely the most their biggest their own biggest critics i mean you'll never um yeah you, you no one is as hard on you as you are on yourself when it comes to you know the quality of your own book um you know, I, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of something, I think, the more books you write and the more you kind of get exposed to, you know, them being out in the world and that, and that kind of, you know, you know the, the fact that they are out there for, for readers to, to pick up and, and make their own sort of judgment call on. You, it, that's something that you kind of have to learn, I think, as an author. But, um, I mean, I'm sort of reached a point really where, you know, with each book, um, you know, I, 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 I tend to, I'm, I'm now able to really sort of focus on the stuff within my control with it and all I can do is kind of make sure the book is when it leaves my hands the book is the best book that I could write around that story it's exactly what I wanted it to well, be how do you know when that is how do you know when that time is when it's the best book it just feels yeah. that way yeah it does a bit yeah I think so I think it's sort of um, I, I, mean, think, I would think you'd be like well oh should I change that should I change that should I change and, but how do you get past that when you just say okay I'm done I'm done I can't do it anymore yeah I, th I think it's always um you know, there's um, I mean, a bit of an emotional feeling, you know, and, and I think I think part of it is going through the steps. So each of the editorial steps, you go through, and you make sure you absolutely make the most of that. And I always try and with each step, I always try and make sure it's. I mean, well, again, when it, put yourself in Nora Roberts' place. She's writing five, six, seven books a year. I mean, how in the world can you write that many books a year? How is that possible? I mean, you just. 
I, I can't even. She's. I'm, I'm sure she's over 250 books by now, and it's crazy. And it's like, how how do, is she that creative that she's not writing the, the same book, you know, more than once? I mean, it it just it just blows my mind that she can come up with an idea different every time. Yeah, I know. It, it, it honestly amazes me how when I hear about how different authors, you know, work and write their books, and sometimes I hear them and I think, oh my gosh, you know. I could never, I could never do it that way. And sometimes people hear about my process and you know the extent to which I plan, and they they say to me I could never do it that way. And I think, um, I guess that's the beauty of writing. You know, there's no, there is no right or wrong way. I mean, everybody has their own method, and some people, for me, that method is a lot slower. Like it takes me, um, you know, at least a couple of years to kind of write a whole book. But um, you know, it's great that you know um, other authors can produce them so much faster and give their readers. I don't you know, know how they do it. They yeah, I just can't even imagine how they do it. I mean. I know yeah. we all know how James Patterson does it. He gets somebody to write for him, but you know, or he's got a co-writer. I mean, he, he's involved in the process, but he's not—he's not writing a lot of the book. So we know how that—that that goes. There's no way anybody could write as fast as his books come out. You just couldn't. It's not possible. I mean, you'd literally have to write a book a week. And it, no, that's, yeah. I know. So some authors do tend to work really fast. I mean, I, felt, I found, like, um, you know, having the journalism background really helped me. Um, I think I wrote, you know, the drive sort of um, fairly fast. But, um, you know, even once it's kind of, I guess, written, you know, it goes to the editors. There's so many processes. Yeah, it comes back so many times with different layers of, you know, um, of editing and all kinds of things. So um, however fast you are, you're also only as fast as the editors can be as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. They say that she writes 70 hours a week, at the Nora Roberts I'm talking about. And that, that's crazy. I don't know how you could write that many hours a week. I, I think after that, you'd be ready to, whew, I, it, it just wears me out to even think about it. That's, that's a lot of work. That's right. Yeah, you'd be ready for Netflix or something after that, wouldn't you? <laughs> but you don't know. I mean, creative, creative anything is difficult. I mean, it's it's hard to come up with ideas. When I watch the shows on TV, I think, these these writers are brilliant. How do they come up with these ideas so quickly? I mean, what... And, you know, it has to... It, it can't be boring. You have to come up with something exciting. Yeah, that's right. I, I think sometimes as well, the... Um, you know, the the idea doesn't necessarily have to be life changing, but the, the execution is really important as well. Exactly, um, and the idea you know, is the. I mean, anybody can come up with an idea. You know, you can, you can come yeah. up with an idea in five seconds, but to actually write a whole book based on that idea—that's the difficult part. And yeah. and yet, you 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 authors seem to make it look so easy. And I know it's not, but, but there are sometimes I wonder, I think, my goodness, they make it look so easy. And even Louise Penny, who's up to like 18 or 19 now, she's fabulous. She's just, and she worried about the second book. She was worried sick about writing a second book, and look where she is now. How do you get past that? How do you, the creative, I mean, is she that creative? I guess she is. I guess she's able to just take a different story every time and make it, and make it interesting. I tend to tell aspiring authors is that you know it does it does get um, each book has its own challenges but it does get a bit easier the process as you go through because you do learn you know what works for you with that first one you're really trying to, to find out um, you know what's my writing style and how do I work best and how do I get the words on the page and and the benefit is that once you've done it once um, every book you learn something new about what works for you and you get to take that but there are some but there are also some writers who write the same characters all the time every book you know is a suspense book and it's a different woman and a different 
situation, and they start to feel the same. And you, and a lot of times you can't even remember the plot because they, because they basically write you know they write a different plot, but it's it's basically the same otherwise. You know, it's the same woman in trouble, woman gets out of trouble, woman. There's a mystery and and it's solved and and, and it just it's the same pattern sort of. And you and you and yet. As much as they are enjoyable to read, sometimes you wonder, "Wow, don't they want to do something different?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I'm yeah, sure. You, I mean, and you, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of, sort of um, I guess you know, everyone kind of has their own path, and like, yeah, you know, for some people, we've got a really a huge fan base who love, you know, love what you do. I suppose there's a, a very valid argument for, you know, if they broke, why fix it? Um, I think you know, for for me, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, like it was, you know, I. I knew that I didn't just want to write when I when the drive successful as it was. I knew I didn't want to write that book again. Um, you know, and it probably would have been easier in the short term to to write that book. You know, two or three more times. Um, but I just felt like that was not going to sustain me long term. And long term was really where you know I wanted to focus. Exactly. It's amazing to me the creative the creativity that's out there. The people that are able to draw. I mean, you look at some of the things people draw, and it's just astounding how wonderful it is. And it's like, and they look at it, and in, in a totally different way, they see the little flaws that we maybe don't see. And you, as a writer, you see, you know, you see the things. Oh my! I wish I hadn't used that word, or I, that sentence sounds a little weird. And when you when you think about that, that, every sentence has to sound plausible and has to be clear. You know that's not easy to do. No, that's it. Yeah, and I mean that's why it's good. It's good to have. It's important to have like good editors as well in your corner. I mean, what's um, the what's the most amount of pages you can write in a day? It kind of depends. I mean, I usually have a plan. So I mean, I, if I know exactly what I'm doing, I, I could maybe do. I wouldn't do loads, though. I mean, maybe two or three, something like that. Um, That's it, just yeah. two or three. And yeah. you know Nora Roberts has to do more than that if she's going to get all those books out. She'll have to, she'll yeah. have to do at least a, uh, half a book a day, I would think. <laughs> yeah. But how does she, I don't know, I'll never understand how she does it. Maybe she'll come on my show one time and tell me yeah. exactly how she does it. She tends to get annoyed with people's, Questions sometimes I've heard her get annoyed. So, like people ask her when she's gonna when she's when she's done, and she'll say when I'm done. You know, she gives a real smart out again because she's been asked that question so many times. You know, after a while, you get tired of being asked that question. Yeah. And as a yeah. writer, you know, and, but I mean, I I find I want to find out what's inside of her, the writer's head. What what the thing? What the the anguish they've been through? I want to hear about that because it fascinates me. Because it's got to be anguishing. You know, how do I end the story? Sometimes, and I I would assume sometimes you can just write. Like you could write a whole, uh, just keep writing and writing and writing, and then you forget that you have to have a beginning, middle, and end. You're you're having so much fun writing. Maybe you don't want to end the book. Does that ever happen? Um, it doesn't happen to me now. Um, I tend to, because I have a, a, like a really detailed plan in place, so I tend to um, know what I need to do each day, and I, and I don't tend to sort of view it that much, of course. I think as a journalist in me, I, I sort of got really trained not to kind of write anything I wasn't, you know, wasn't going to kind of make it into print, and so I'm quite sort of um, frugal with, I guess, you know, what I actually put on the page. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why planning works for me, but yeah, I mean, that doesn't... You know, it doesn't work for everybody, and um, other people have yeah different ways of approaching it, I guess. So, when in the in the exiles, when is when about when is the first clue given? Do you think? 
I mean, what part of the book? Beginning, middle, end, or? Uh, I mean, without giving I mean, any, without giving anything away. I don't want to give anything yeah. away. Yeah. Oh, I would say early on. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so, so there's something I mean, I've already read that has given me a clue as as to what's going on. As oh, I think so. Depending how far you are into it, yeah, I think you know. I think there's clues peppered throughout. So, yeah. In fact, that fascinates me because I I don't always see the clues. Sometimes I'm enjoying the book so much, I don't even want to. I want to play along with it. I want, I don't want to know till the very end because sometimes if I know before the very end, I I'm disappointed. I'm like, oh well, that kind of spoils the book a little bit for me. And yeah. everybody feels differently. There are people that will race to the end to see who the killer is because they can't stand it anymore. But I I could yeah. never do that. No, no, I'm the same. I like to kind of see it play out, you know, yeah, in time, yeah, over the pages. Exactly. But, you know, sometimes it's like watching Law and Order when you, or one of those crime shows, you know, when it's, when the show's half over and they're already to arrest somebody, you know it's not going to be that person because you still got a half an hour to go. What are you going to do with the rest of the, the show, you know? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> so you've got to wait till the end to really know who's doing it. And when you see it's like five of you know, oh, this is the person because there's no more time left. It can't be anybody else. You know? That's right. <laughs> it, it, and that's, they they have to follow a sort of pattern the TV shows, but you writers you know you can always you can always uh, end it in the next book if you really wanted to. I I know Louise Penny did that with one of her books. You didn't know who the killer was till the next book. Yeah right yeah that's it yeah you probably got a bit more um, a little bit more creative license. Um, so what so what are you going to do next? Is it, would you like to do another series or do you want to keep doing standalones? I think um, standalone probably in the short term. I mean, I wouldn't say no to another series, but it would be finding that right character who do you can sustain. Do you have an you know. idea for another character in another series? Um, I've got a couple of ideas for kicking around, but I, you know, I spent a little time thinking about them before I decide whether they have the legs they need. I think, um, like, I wouldn't just jump into it. Like, I need to kind of right. out a little bit more. But yeah, there's a few ideas sort of. Um, you know, bubbling along. So how will you know when it's the right idea? I mean, you have these ideas for characters in, in, in forthcoming series, and how will you know it's the right idea? I mean, I'm sure yeah. some you would, some probably you thought of and you would discard because they don't pan out. Yeah, I, well, I'd probably um, test it out a little bit on, on paper, like make, make a bit few sort of, you know, rough, you know, plans and, and test out a few things and see if it, see if it kind of um, had enough avenues. It, it, it's a good question. I mean, how do you ever really know? It's, it partly, partly you just have to kind of go with your gut a little bit, I think. I wonder, um, I wonder if, sometimes, if, ever, if people have ever started a character and suddenly they realize, oh, this character's boring. I can't do anything with this character. What do I do? I have to start all over again. I know Sue Grafton talked about before she died, and what a wonderful woman she was. Oh, God, she was yeah. amazing. But she talked about how when she read L, when she wrote L, she threw the whole book out and started all over again. You're and, right, yeah. And and but I wonder how far along until you know oh, this character's just not working. It's just not the. I have to start over again. I wonder. I wonder where that comes in. Yeah, hopefully not too far in. It's, I know it's, it's a, it's, it is a bit of a roll to the dice. Because you um, think about like Sherlock Holmes. How could you ever think Sherlock Holmes was boring? He's never yeah. boring. He's always got something interesting to say. He's always, you know, being nasty to somebody or or taking opium or whatever he's doing. You know, he's interesting no matter what he does. 
I mean, yeah. I, and you can't imagine people not liking Sherlock Holmes because he's such a great character. But I, one wonders when he wrote the first book whether he whether he felt that way. I know over time he started to hate Sherlock Holmes because everybody wanted a Sherlock Holmes story. They just wanted yeah. more and more. They couldn't get enough of them. But but I I wonder if these characters that you're you've thought up have any legs whether there'll be whether there will be one or two that just don't pan out or whether yeah i think it's about being quite clear-eyed as an author about that you know not pushing it you know if you feel like you're pushing uphill and maybe it's not working out actually taking a step back and and trying to work out if if it's something you can fix or if it is just a you know a fundamental flaw that you can't fix and you need to you know um so when do you think we'll see that. another book from you It'll probably be a couple of years, I think. Um, the year. out now, um, so yeah, it'll probably um, yeah, it'll be it'll be at least um, yeah, at least at least ne yeah, next year if not beyond. So that's that's. Do you think that's really well? You've been pretty much for force of nature. How long did that come out after the dry came out? So for the first three books, I was on a one-year cycle, and then for the last, um, oh. most recently, I've been on a two-year cycle. Um, so is that a so bad cycle for you, one year? One year is a little bit fast. I've got, I've got <laughs> two young kids as well, so it was just a bit, um, there's a, a few too dema many demands on my time, really, with the, the one-year cycle. That's quite a grueling schedule, but um, yeah, just two years suits me a lot better. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're the only one who knows that. Well, your editor, I'm sure, knows too. Knows yeah. when something's, they'll tell you this is not working. Just throw up, just get rid of that and start over again. Because, you know, and that's important to have somebody that you trust enough to know whether that's true or not. Because you could, you could get misinformation and throw a book out that, that, that could be, that could turn out to be, could have turned out to be a great book. You just never know. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have people you, you know. Important to have people you trust and exactly. you know give good judgment. Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely a, a lot of fun talking to you. I really have enjoyed it. And um, the book again is called Exiles. It it comes out January thirty first from Harper Collins. Is is it division of Harper Collins or is it just Harper Collins? Oh, it's sorry. It's actually actually a flat iron book. Oh, it's flat iron. That's right. Yeah. Were you with Harper at one point? Um, no, I think it's just the name. <laughs> oh, I, oh, you're right. It is Flatiron. Why do you think of it as Harper? I keep thinking you're Harper Collins because the, the people I usually deal with are, are usually Harper. Okay, you're right. It is Flatiron. I'd forgotten all about it. That's a division of uh, Macmillan, is it? Yeah, that's right, Macmillan. Macmillan. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. I, I really had, had Harper in my head. I don't know why. But, uh, oh, that's so, okay. But, uh, so all your books have been Flatiron books? Yeah, they have, yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, that's great. So in a couple of years, we'll look forward to something different. Do you, do you already have an idea for the next book that you can't talk um, about? Oh, I've got a few things, again, I've got a few things I'm working on. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how they yeah, haven't quite... But I'm, I'm talking about the yeah. standalones. You, have, you, you do have an idea for a standalone. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a couple that could, I think, have potential, but I haven't quite decided which well, I one can't to... Wait to I can't wait to see what they're all about. That'll be interesting. Oh, thank you. So the book against called Exiles from Flatiron Books, and it's out in all your bookstores, and uh, it's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And good luck with this one. And Oh, thank you. And this has been David's Book Talk, and we'll talk to you next time. You have just enjoyed the podcast of David's Book Talk, brought to you by your host, book lover, David English. Please visit us at davidsbooktalk.com. 
follow us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to our podcast. We want to hear from you, and we don't want you to miss our upcoming shows with top authors like Mary Higgins Clark, Patricia Cornwell, Lisa Scottolini, Jackie Collins, Nelson DeMille, Michael Connolly, Sue Grafton, Steve Martini, Dale Brown, David Baldacci, 